You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to bridgesnashville.com. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining us for part two of the Christmas story. If you were with us last week, you saw how we kicked it off with a special online experience with yeah. Christmas carols. That and, was good. Oh, man, it was so much fun. And this week, we continue the series. Now, for this week and next week, we're actually going to be doing a virtual church. So for those who are in Nashville joining us in house churches, it's a virtual experience today. And if you're watching from somewhere outside of Nashville, we're so excited that you're joining with us. It's going to look a little bit different today and next Sunday, but I'm excited because it's designed to be a little bit more engaging and interactive. And so uh, this week, we're going to dive into Matthew's gospel. Uh, We're going to look at how the Christmas story is framed by Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples. And next week, we're going to be in the book of Luke and look at Luke chapter 2. And uh, so we wanted to just kind of shoot a couple of context videos. We're going to frame out what makes Matthew's gospel unique, what makes Luke's gospel uh, unique next weekend. And so I've asked Pastor David if he would just kind of frame this weekend. And then Mm -hmm. as a house church or from wherever you're watching, Mm -hmm. we're going to actually read Matthew chapter 2. And then we have five discussion questions that are going to take us deeper into the story. So go ahead, Pastor yeah, David. I'm excited. Now, what what do you think about this? Jacket? I mean, you know, when you're rocking that kind of jacket, yeah, right? all the fashion yeah. police are like, hey, we yield. Yes. We yield. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got to do it. Well, you'll be glad to know that the Gospel of Matthew was written by Matthew. Right? Thought, that's what I thought. Now, Matthew was a tax collector, a, a sort of a, a, a present day uh, an accountant, if you will. Mm-hmm. Now, I live with an accountant, and <laughs> I understand about how things are ordered and concise. That's right. what an accountant. So that's how Matthew actually wrote the gospel. It was very concise. Mm-hmm. And we start off with uh, one thing you got to know is that the, it was not the first gospel written, hmm. uh, but it is in the first in the in the New Testament because it is most uh, closely tied to all of the prophecies in the Old Testament. Right? And so it is the most Jewish of all the Gospels. And it was written to Jewish Christians uh, more, th- more than likely. Uh, and so what we see th- from it, though, is that in every page of Matthew's Gospel, uh, it is steeped with this theme that we see through it that is the promise and then fulfillment. It begins with the genealogies. Now, we kind of go, we kind of read through that and we're like, Man, that is really boring. But to the the readers of Matthew's gospel, who he wrote it to, it was pretty exciting for them That's because cool. it tied all of that Old Testament prophecy to wow. the, the to the gospel. And so it's really cool because it begins all of this, you know, it starts out with the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and it's just a detail, just one a person after another of all those, and it, it, it really kind of sets everything up. And in addition to providing that genealogy, uh, it confirms Jesus' legitimate credentials mm. in as the Messiah. He develops his, he develops that promise fulfillment theme through a series of these uh, formulas. It's kind of like quotations from the Old Testament, and then he brings in what Jesus did. So he would say, "This was done to fulfill this." And so we would go back and forth between cool. the Old Testament and the things that Jesus was happening. So in addition to, there's like a 
dozen of those where he says this. But then not only that, there's also another 10 fulfillment uh, uh, of these formulas where he just kind of alludes to the scripture without that exact formula. So it's in there a lot. He's trying to pull in all that stuff from the Old Testament and, and saying, look, this is, this is why Jesus is the Messiah. Now, for Matthew, the fulfillment of Scripture is less about uh, apologetics that you might see in some of the others and more about God's sovereign purposes. Hmm. So the establishment of the patterns of fulfillment confirms that all to all of human history that we are heading toward the goal and the culmination of Jesus Christ. Wow. And so these are the things we want, really want to think about as we read through the second chapter of Matthew. You got anything else you want to add? Well, I just think it's so interesting because last week we talked about a few of these prophecies in the Old Testament and that Matthew writing to a Jewish audience is like, hey, this is the guy you've been waiting for. Right. This is everything. And when you read that genealogy, you see some pretty scandalous names. I mean, you, you, you read about Rahab, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, the prostitute, and you read about uh, all these people in the lineage after David who were just known for their scandals. And the thing I love about that is that God uses imperfect people to bring about his perfect will. Mm-hmm. And that's such an inner message in that. But one of the things I love about Matthew chapter 2 is that it's the only account that mentions the wise men or the Magi. right? And so as we read this in, in just a moment together, you're going to see that. But I think the cool thing about the Magi is they, they even have roots that go back to the Old Testament. In fact, many scholars believe that Daniel was the first of the Magi. You guys remember mm-hmm. uh, Daniel was over all the wise men in Babylon, and then there came a part where they all went back to their hometowns, and some of them went far east. And scholars often will kind of equate these three Magi to that Daniel moment. And, you know, those prophetic moments, they go all the way back to the Old Testament. So it's just so cool when you realize this long, intricate story. We always say that the Bible is all about Jesus. The Old Testament points to him. Mm -hmm. The New Testament reveals him. And so this is just one of those moments. So I'm I'm pretty stoked about Matthew 2. Amen. So right now, from wherever you're listening, I would encourage you to read Matthew chapter 2. Verses 1 through 12. You can even pause the podcast to take a moment to do that. After you read the chapter, we would encourage you to think about these following discussion questions, just like everyone in our house churches did this previous weekend. Question number one as we read about the Magi coming to the manger to worship Jesus, here's a question How do you define worship? What qualifies as worship? And what forms can worship take in your everyday life? Question two. Herod was a false king empowered by Rome. Jesus was the true king empowered by God. He didn't have a palace, guards, or even a room to be born in. And yet he was the long-awaited king. Why do you think God chose such a humble beginning for Jesus' birth? Question three. Herod and the religious leadership in Jerusalem were blinded to God's plan of redemption because of their lust for their own plans, power, and purposes. In what ways can your own plans and desires distract you from following God's greater will? Question four, in what ways can all the busyness of life, and especially during this Christmas season, Divert your attention from worshiping Jesus. 
And what are you going to do to counteract that busyness? And finally, question five. What steps can you take to maintain a spirit of worship during this Christmas season? Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.